Welcome to No Bucks Given, the equestrian podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. Whether it's debunking common myths and digging into the science behind them, or debating both sides of a controversial social topic, we get to the bottom of what matters most, how to best advocate and care for our horses. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Alyssa Pitt, who is a former saddle fitter and current full-time body worker. She owns ALP Equine, which is an equine bodywork service. Alyssa is kind enough to sit down with me as she helped me create my new course, Saddle fit solutions. Today we're going to dig into a lot of common saddle fit issues that people have that she's seen through her many years of experience and what you can do to help your horse through different saddle fitting issues. So Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. So Alyssa, can you tell me a little bit about what saddle fit really is and how it influences the horse and the rider? So saddle fit's very important, right? It provides more comfort for our horse and provides balance for the rider. So it allows us to communicate better and helps us optimize our horse's full potential. So when we talk about saddle fit, it is important for both horse and rider, but you really have to start with the horse. So what that means is each horse's back is different, whether they are really balanced or they have a little bit of asymmetry and then in size and just the way it's built is different. So just like people having different size shoes and different types of shoes, right? We have all kinds of different types of sneakers. It's the same thing. We have all different types of saddles. So not only in size, but also in design. So that helps us give us a good fit for not only the horse, but then also moving on to, you know, fit for the rider to allow the rider to be balanced and communicate well with the horse while the horse is comfortable in a saddle that fits properly. Very cool. So you know, it's it's very important for a saddle to fit properly to the partnership of the horse and rider, it sounds like. Absolutely. And what are some signs, um, you know, and unfortunately this is more common than not, what are some signs that a saddle doesn't fit a horse or a rider very well? Sure. So we, a lot of times we see that our horse is not listening. So mm-hmm. look at horse response. So think about behavior. You know, they don't just come out and say, I just don't feel like doing my job. (laughs) There's usually something going on. And it might not be saddle-related, but it could be saddle-related. And some of those things are hard to kind of peel the onion back and the layers, but improper saddle fit could be the horse's back sore, swishing its tail, you know, bucking, not wanting to go forward, you know, wringing its neck, ear pinning, all the signs that your horse is saying, I'm not happy. Um, It's definitely something to think about. Uh, even if you do have a saddle that fits, it's always something to think about to say, has my horse changed? Has his diet changed? Has his or her workload changed? Could they have possibly changed enough that the saddle doesn't fit anymore? Mm. Um, That's something to just make note of in our process of continuing to keep our horse comfortable with proper saddle fit is it's not just a once and done thing. It's an always evolving process. And that's a good thing because if the horse is able to be comfortable and we're doing proper training, the horse is able to change in all phases of life, whether they're young and they're growing to a horse that's maybe more senior that's aging and they might have changes because of that, but they can still do their job really well. They just need to always have a saddle that fits comfortably. So what I'm hearing is that different behavioral issues can definitely be a sign that the saddle doesn't fit. 
Absolutely. Um, in horses. But are there any like more subtle signs you might see? Like, you know, because sometimes the saddle fit isn't perfect, but the horse might be more stoic. Or I've seen it too, like really negatively affect rider position as well. Absolutely. So some things that I see really that are subtle are maybe your horse seems more stiff to one direction than the other. Maybe that changes. Sometimes they maybe don't want to move off the leg doing some lateral work. You know, transitions might be harder. So, you know, downward or upper transitions, like they aren't, they don't stay through, they bring their neck up. So it could be really subtle. They're not consistent in the contact. They don't want to stretch. Um, All of these things can be subtle behaviors saying that my saddle isn't quite as comfortable, so I can't optimize my performance. I can't quite do what you're asking me to do. So that's always something to make note of. Um, Like people, horses are right or left-handed, right? So they Mm -hmm. have a stronger or weaker side. And sometimes for a variety of reasons, that can be um, a larger discrepancy. And sometimes it's very minor. And so sometimes when it's a larger one, the balance of the saddle is important. Um, it sometimes can sit one side or the other. So it can affect, you know, them in one direction more than the other as well. So, that makes sense. And that can also throw the rider off. So it's hard for the rider to be in balance if the saddle's not in balance. So okay. think about, you know, it's important for the rider to be comfortable, but first the saddle should fit the horse. The saddle should be balanced on the horse. So that al- that gives the rider in that particular saddle the most optimal position possible. And then you move on to the rider. Then you say, okay, well, maybe the saddle isn't quite right for the rider. So you're going to be looking at saying, okay, I need to maybe see if there's a different saddle that fits my horse. And that also fits me. Or maybe it's just that saddle can be customized and it's the flap is too straight. Mm. Or, you know, maybe the seat has to be a little bit of a different length. So it's that conversation does have to be had. However, if it's not properly fitting the horse first, you can't really have that conversation. So it is a step-by-step process of fit the horse and then the rider is very important. If their balance is too far back or tipping forward, that doesn't communicate well to the horse either. But ultimately, if the saddle's not fitting the horse, then like that communication and the rider being balanced doesn't really matter anyway because they're uncomfortable. So you would prioritize horse fit and comfortability and then you'd look at rider fit. Sure, because if you're fitting the rider but it doesn't fit the horse, then ultimately all of those challenges that the horse is having physically – are going to still be there. Yeah, or even so, exacerbated. Or, right. Yeah. So if you fit the horse, that's really important. However, stopping there is not good. You do need to fit the rider. And so moving on, then you do have to work. And sometimes it's difficult. Okay, so my horse likes this and I like this, but there are a lot of options out there where you can find something that your horse likes and you get it fitting and then get it to fit yourself as well. So it's just a step-by-step process, but it should be horse first and then rider. So that way you also are sitting in a balanced saddle that fits to evaluate how we properly fit that saddle to you. And the only way we can do that is that it be fitting the horse, right? If it's like diving down in the front or sitting too high in the front or low in the back, that puts you in a different position and that doesn't allow the saddle fitter or anyone to fit the rider well. And that's the struggle of saddle fit. Yes, <laughs> is, for sure. Is getting both because, I mean, me personally having gone through like purchasing a lot of different saddles, like 
just actually finding a style that fit my horse was hard enough, much less finding something that fit me, you know, and finding something that fit both was just like, basically like, forget it unless you're going custom. It's very, very hard. It is challenging. It's very challenging. There are some tips and tricks that make it easier, but it is definitely something that takes some time. Well, I love tips and tricks. Well, so my first advice, and sometimes this isn't available, but Mm -hmm. is to try to work with a couple different um, representatives of different brands. So you can explore, um, essentially, you can sit in saddles and find out what works for your horse, what doesn't work for your horse, meaning what size what type of design works for them, horse response, because you're in real time putting multiple saddles on your horse and getting a feedback, Mm -hmm. as well as them being able to sit in all of those saddles and see what works for you and learning whether, well, that saddle works great for my horse, but this is like, what's a challenge for me? Learning if that's something that could be an option, not to say you're going to buy custom, but does exist. Like, do they actually make that saddle with that seat and that flap? And if they do, you definitely have an option to buy new and to buy custom, but you can also work with a couple different representatives and say, can you write me up an RX? Like just a prescription of everything that we worked on today and like what my horse liked and what worked for me. And that allows you some tools having done it a couple times to say, you know, I really like this or, you know, my horse really liked that. And you can look for some things used and you have a relationship then with a couple different working professionals to help guide you through that process. And ultimately at the end too, sometimes you start to find that some of these custom saddles are expensive. Some are more reasonable and you might look and say, you know what? It makes sense for me to like buy a demo from this rep and they have one or I'm going to keep looking. So it gives you a lot of options. It gives you a lot of, I feel like, empowerment to be able to advocate for your horse because you can sit there with a budget and kind of pick and choose and decide like I'm going to try this first, but I'm also going to save some money so that if it doesn't work then I'm able to do something in the middle here. And it doesn't always have to be brand new or you're left on your own trying to find something new or used on your own. So I think that's a real big thing that we all run into is you have to go into it as, yes, are saddle companies looking to sell you a saddle? Sure, that's their job, right? They're a saddle fitter, but they're also a salesperson. But If you can work with them and keep an open mind and try to say, like, I'm here to try saddles and just say, look, it's worth it. You know, having a saddle fitter come out and paying them and they maybe don't have a ton of saddles, it's probably going to cost you just as much as like the fitting cost to try a bunch with a company. So when you're done, you've maybe tried 15 saddles or more and it maybe cost you $300 somewhere around that versus trying to ship saddles back and forth. Like I'm sure you've experienced that. It's so expensive. Yeah. And it's so exhausting. And it's exhausting. And it's really, by the time you do that and then bring a professional out to check it, it really is expensive. Yeah. And for, you know, for those of you listening, um, me and Alyssa really dive into the topic of purchasing a saddle online um, more in the freebie um, that I have coming out, which is the saddle buying blueprint 
(laughs) (laughs) The saddle buying blueprint freebie, um, basically I interview Alyssa and I go over how a rural equestrian might be able to find their perfect saddle. So we dive into that a little bit more. Um, You've been mentioning horse response. I was wondering if you could kind of define what that means to you for listeners. So horse response to me is really always observing what the horse is trying to tell me, right? So that can be anything from positive feedback to maybe less than positive feedback. Um, It's working with also the horse owner, rider, and trainer, or if you have someone that really you work closely with, maybe it's not your trainer, but knows your horse well, um, they can also give you feedback sometimes as you're fitting a horse or working with a horse if that's not necessarily normal, but each horse is different. Some horses are more sensitive to touch. Some horses, you know, love to be touched. And so um, that's helpful feedback, not to say that you don't kind of step back and say, I'm new to this and... um, this horse and maybe I'll pick up something that someone else isn't because they just always say that's how they are. But it is important. We do have horses that are more sensitive. And so if I am working with a horse, even in body work, and I find that they're very sensitive to something, I definitely make Mm -hmm. note of it. Like if they swish their tail or they look back or they tense and they don't like something, I definitely make note of it, but I think it's a note to have conversation. So particularly when you're talking about saddle fit as well, um, sometimes those horses have been gone over with a fine tooth comb and have Mm. been vetted. And sometimes they have a history of maybe they weren't the first horse owner. Maybe the horse had a bad experience with something. And so until they get to know you, until they get to know a fitter or a body worker, sometimes they are a little defensive. And so it's good to kind of get that read. Am I working with a horse that maybe is naturally defensive? And we just need to kind of take our time and repeat this a couple times. And does that behavior change with, you know, the same saddle or the same touch? And oftentimes in those situations, they do. Um, But it's just something to make note of. So I really try to hone in on that. Um, with certain horses that maybe have a history that you're working with that have had, you know, not a good experience with, you know, being comfortable through their body. Um, But when you're putting saddles on, it's very important to make note of, wow, my horse seemed to like really not even not have a response. So like was super good and happy. And that could just be no response to, oh, I put that on and like their head came up or they kind of like gave me the side eye or there was a little swish. They just didn't even look as comfortable. Like their posture just changed. Mm, Or posture is huge, I think. Yeah. Or sometimes their posture changes for the better. You go like, oh, their posture is way better. Like their head (laughs) dropped a little bit. You know, they're not, you know, shifting around a bunch with their hind end or their front end. And so that's, those are all things to make note of when we're doing saddle evaluations, we ask the horses to be square. So when we're evaluating the saddle statically. So to me, that's always something I really can make note of is if the horse is just not able to be comfortable, um, that can just be a sign like they don't want to stand square. Um, But they were standing square for the other saddle. That's something I make note of. So okay, so they stood very happily for this one. And now they're not standing square. Mm. And that's something definitely to be pay attention to just because it's very subtle, right? It's, yeah. It could just be a stoic horse saying, like, I'm just going to shift around because it's just not as comfortable. So while it is really important to 
look at how the saddle fits yourself and even more importantly, enlist the help of a professional saddle fitter to help you find a saddle that fits your horse properly. It's equally or possibly even more important to look at what your horse thinks of the saddle, you know, both on the ground and under saddle. And then dynamically. So when you're riding, it's very important to see what the horse response is. You could check all of the boxes in points of saddle fit and a horse will pick one saddle over another saddle. Mm. So there is a science, but there's an art. Just like people, I would say you can have a size sneaker that fits you and you can have another one like different brands and one's more comfortable for you. So just like we might want a little more padding, a little less padding, right? Thicker socks, thinner socks. That's how we like to fit. So horses can be the same way. A saddle fit is important that the saddle fits, but you also have to look at the fact that it is a system. It is maybe comprised of a pad or it's comprised of a girth that a horse might prefer. So all of those things are important. Ultimately, the saddle needs to fit to start, but those things do play a role in it being comfortable. So can you share some insight as to common mistakes that riders might make when selecting a saddle or checking for saddle fit? Have you seen many like common themes when you go help someone fit a saddle? Sure. So one or two of the things that I like to talk about is some a people that say my horse is difficult to fit. (laughs) (laughs) So there are a lot of saddles out there and there's a lot of companies that offer custom options. And so, um, I think the idea is to say my horse is maybe a little less standard instead of Mm. saying difficult to fit because there are definite answers out there for almost all types of horses. So I really like that. I just prefer to say, you know, you know, those horses just, and a lot of them aren't just like your standard fit. So I just kind of try to change everybody's perspective on that, you know, it's not being difficult to fit. It's interesting you say that because I feel like I hear more often than not like, oh, well, my horse is just such a difficult fit. And I'm a little bit like, are you saying that just because the saddle you used to have doesn't fit them? A lot of the time I, someone will say that to me and I look at the horse and they're just like, they, they don't look, the, they don't look special, it, yeah, right? it's not it's like they not have like a shark fin or like a two foot long back or like a five foot long back. Maybe you just need to put a little bit of extra elbow grease into finding the right saddle for them. Yeah, and it is amazing what we have available to us, but sometimes that can be overwhelming. And so I think that sometimes people don't know where to start. And so also maybe the experience they've had with working with other people might be that they have the impression that their horse is, is a challenge, but... I like to think that they're less standard and there are people out there that really can help fit each horse specifically. Two things to think about when you're looking at saddles is A, you talked about the shark fin. Mm -hmm. So yes, horses with high withers does not necessarily mean that they're super narrow. Mm, So that's that's one thing that I'd see a lot is they go, oh, I don't have wither clearance in the front. And then they just make the tree more narrow. And it isn't necessarily that the horse is narrow. It's that their anatomy is they have a high wither. And so one thing is that when we talk about saddle design is a horse can be 
a medium and have a really high wither and they need a different type of panel to help lift the whole saddle up so it provides more clearance in the front. As well as we have something that we call like the tree points in the front can be longer or extended. And so that also allows for more clearance, meaning that the horse is just longer going up that part of its body and it just needs that tree point, that length of the tree to extend a little longer, but it doesn't need to go narrower. So I see a lot of times horses with high withers being in something that's too narrow for them and it's causing problems that it, because it's too narrow and people just think, oh, it has clearance, we're good. Um, the other thing I see is horses that are extremely wide without a wither, they often are fit too wide. Mm. So a lot of them have a shoulder that sometimes has a little more adipose tissue on it. And adipose tissue for layman is fat. Yes. <laughs> but some do have just a little bit more, right? Yeah. Just a little bit more punch there. <laughs> um, so the problem with that is that when you set the saddle on statically, so before you girth it down and load a rider, that shoulder pad kind of pops the tree up and it mm. actually isn't really sitting along the shape of what the contour of like the muscling is of the mm. horse. So those saddles, oftentimes it's very important to girth the saddle, even if you're not putting a rider in to evaluate the front of the tree because oftentimes people just keep going wider and wider and wider to get it statically. And then when you girth it up, it's too wide and it's pinching very far away from where it should be making contact. So the panel goes really far away and it's too wide for the horse. And then it pops up in the back and it has some other things that aren't great, really great. So I sometimes see really wide horses fit too wide and too narrow horses fit too narrowly. Mm. So those are just some things that I see are very basic, but pretty standard. Um, the last thing that I see is people getting into trying to shim their saddle <laughs> to <Okay>. fit um, <laughs> because they think one side is you know, weaker than the other, which it's important. And sometimes shimming is something we do. Sometimes we do it in combination with flocking, wool flocking. However, it really should be done by a professional. Filling in the void of something there is a hole in, that is not just the only answer. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's the answer. But what happens is when you do that, you are changing the size of the tree on the other side of the saddle and you're making it smaller. So if in fact it did fit your horse to start, um, it's now maybe just doing more pinching and it's like forcing it into place versus it actually really allowing the horse to develop properly. Um, what you want is to keep it balanced so it gives it room and its ability to move and create more balance through its body. And in doing so, sometimes we kind of like force it over. So it's just good to have some help of a professional. If you, f it is important to address um, asymmetry. That's, you know, that we don't have this bilateral symmetry. It's very important to address that asymmetry. However, you should definitely do it with the help of a professional for sure. So, so just to reiterate, um, some of the most common issues you see are with horses that are either more narrow with a shark fin mm -hmm. and they get fit just way too narrow, um, or horses who are a little bit on the heavier side, who are a little bit naturally wider with less wither that get fit way too wide. Um, and then unfortunately a lot of people try to 
intervene in less than ideal saddle fit with a shim, but a shim should really be used um, very carefully and really preferably under professional guidance or at least by someone who's like pretty educated in saddle fit. Yeah, because it's also something to closely monitor if you're fitting a horse with a shim or you're flocking a saddle to fit an asymmetry. The goal is to get that horse to be more symmetric. So ultimately, if they're particularly if they're younger or they're in pretty active training, the horse will probably change pretty quickly if it hasn't had the balance of the saddle, and then you create that balance. Oftentimes, if they're in proper training, that changes rather rapidly. So what happens is that that um, asymmetrical adjustment has to be modified again on the more quick side than we would say like your annual or your biannual like flocking maintenance of a saddle or saddle check. So it's just important because that needs to be monitored. Awesome. Awesome. So can I tell you a like story of previous Maya? Sure. So back when I was a teenager and like, I think I was 19 or 20. So kind of a teenager back when I was a young adult, um, you know, I had a salifitter tell me that a medium wide fit just about every horse. Um, and so I had a saddle that was a medium wide and I rode a bunch of different horses in it. And, you know, it kind of like laid on all the horses pretty nicely. Like it was one of those saddles that just like the way it was shaped, it did just kind of lay pretty decently well. And basically off I went and I rode like tons of different shapes and sizes of horses in that saddle. So what would you say to like 19 or 20 year old Maya who was doing that? What would you teach me? So I would talk to you about, you know, let's talk about, do they all look the same, right? (laughs) Like, just have a conversation. Like, what do you think? Like, just kind of get your wheels turning and say, so, you know, oftentimes if we are riding that many horses, like we are, you know, involved as an equestrian. So, you know, we see a lot of things and say, like, do they look all the same? Yes or no? Like, and you'll say, well, probably not. And so then you just start to talk. And I usually always, again, I go back to like the shoe size. So I say like if, even if sometimes people oftentimes they say this, well, like my horse isn't going to the Olympics. Yeah. And I hear that all the time. And I think, okay, so... I don't care. I'm not necessarily going to the Olympics, but if I'm also going to the gym and I'm going to run five or 10 miles or there's people not going to the Olympics that run 10 miles, do you, do I want to ride, like run in a too small or too big a shoe? I mean, even if you're not, even if you're not running five miles, right? Right. Because five miles sounds like like a lot to me, but yeah, even just walking around in my day-to-day life and shoes that are too small sounds awful. Right. Or even if it's too wide, like how does that affect your balance and the way you use your back and all, and like your arch support and all of these things. And so to me, um, I like to use the concept of a shoe. I've had other people like to use the concept of a backpack. Mm -hmm. So when people are doing backpacking, they have a frame and they have it fit their back, which I think is helpful. But I do think that not everybody's a huge backpacker or a big mountaineer. So it's less relatable, right? But a shoe is very much the same because we have different sizes, different designs. Um, You know, some people pronate in. Right? right? So like sometimes we buy shoes that don't help us with pronation. So for those of you who don't know pronation, pronate is when you start to collapse in, in your arch. Yeah. Um, in. So it's just a different fit, right? So for horses, sometimes they need 
a different panel and because they have a shark fin or they need, you know, to have their saddle evaluated because, you know, they're a little bit wider and maybe it looks like it's too narrow, but it could be, you know, in fact, just okay if you girth it up. So it's just a matter of kind of helping someone learn. It's not that you're doing it on purpose as a young person, but it's more empowering that person and saying like, well, like, let's change the thought process and think like, hey, each horse is different, right? When you sit on them, they feel different, right? Whether good or bad. And they move differently and their backs are shaped differently. And so are all these people. And so when we talk about work, like, does this sound like a sound, you know, practice? Like, and maybe some of those, maybe that saddle does fit like a handful of the horses if we modify what we're using with it, right? Mm. Like maybe like it is wide. So if you're on something that was a medium-ish size, maybe a pad with one and maybe not a pad with another yeah. um, might have been helpful, but right. they probably didn't fit a majority <laughs> of them. <laughs> However, you know, you might be able to to talk about, you know, well, there might be a few you could use it on, just yeah. a modification. You saying like, well, my horse isn't going to the Olympics, you know, um, which is something that I've heard as well many times, um, definitely sparked something in me, which is, you know, I do firmly believe that every horse and rider have their own Olympics. So whether it's you getting to beginner novice or it's you getting to second level dressage or you getting to a certain show in your discipline, like a year end event, you know, whatever that is, that is your horse's Olympics. That might be like the very crux of their athletic ability, but even if you don't show, and even if you don't have big goals, if you think back to the shoe analogy, like saddle fit isn't a luxury. I truly believe that it's a welfare issue. Absolutely. I think that it's important for in all goals and aspects of life, like we want to be comfortable. We should also advocate for our horses to be comfortable. And for me, um, through saddle fitting, and then also, you know, with my bodywork business, I always want to strive to say, I'm going to optimize this horse's potential and their ability to be comfortable with the rider in training and in trying to reach their goals. So, you know, my goal is to allow them to be more comfortable. So I I feel like that's a critical piece is I look at saddle fit as when you invest in a horse and your time, that's just like them getting vaccines every year that they need. I look at it as they need like performance support maintenance, whether it be soft tissue body work, chiropractic, you know, performance support from a vet, like saddle fit fits in that category. Like it should be incorporated into the budget for you and your horse, because you're also putting all of this time and energy in, and it should be a positive experience for both of you. And all goals are important to me. Um, and I love that concept of like, it's your own Olympics. Like it doesn't, it is important for us to realize that, you know, goals are great and helping our horses meet them with us. Like we would like to make them as comfortable as possible. So to me, I just think it's important for people to also think, start to think about, okay, this is part of my budget to help us with our goals and what I want to do, you know, with my teammate. Yeah, I really, I totally agree with you. Allowing space in your budget um, for one of the most, if not the most important pieces of the puzzle. You know, I just think saddle fit, like horses are not made to 
carry us on their backs. You know, if you think about a horse as a bridge and a suspension system, um, that bridge is their back and we're constantly putting downward force on it via the rider. Um, you know, our weight is constantly putting downward force on their spine if you think about how they carry us. So not only do we want their back really soft and protected via massage and strengthening, but the main mode of communication between you and them is that saddle. And, you know, all of that force and pressure that you're exerting down, if the saddle doesn't fit properly, it's going to make it so much harder and less comfortable for your horse. Absolutely. And you see that, I'm sure you see that, I see that a lot when, if I have a saddle that's maybe not fitting a horse, it manifests itself in their body with compensation. And it's not just necessarily soreness, but it can affect the development of muscles throughout the whole body and not just where the saddle is sitting, right? You're talking about that bridge and that suspension system. You know, our horses move with that locomotion from the hind end. And one of the things that saddle fit is so critical about is our horses have a thoracic sling in the front and right. And so that sling holds the shoulder to our horse, right? They don't have a collarbone like we do. And so their ability to lift that is almost like defying gravity, right? Like we want them to lift up and sit down. And if they can't do that, if the saddle is restricting them, then everything kind of backs up. And so, you know, I'm sure you see it, I see it. And that's not helping you or your horse meet their full potential or also be comfortable in the process of trying to train. Like training through forcing them through something uncomfortable isn't really ideal at all. So I totally agree with you. It is a welfare issue. And I just think that it is should be an investment in your budget for you and your horse to also enjoy the partnership you're building. Yeah. No, I to- I totally agree. You know, um, and that really sparked something for me because we do like, so us as saddle, uh, us as bodywork professionals, you know, one, a few of the key things that I see when a saddle doesn't fit a horse is number one, there's that pocket behind the withers, especially on like medium to higher withered horses. Absolutely. They don't have that nice buildup um, of the thoracic trapezius muscle um, because a lot of the time, like the first place to me, you, you know much better than I do, so feel free correct me. A lot of the time, the first place a saddle doesn't fit and maybe where the most pressure goes is in that tree. Um, like it's pinching somewhere and then it prevents that area from developing. But then I also even see like through their mid back, there might be pain because the saddle is bridging. And then finally, what I also see very often is pain right where the um, seat of the rider is like back behind a little bit more towards their lower back. I see a lot of like pain and like even hair wear, you know, like the hair will wear down. Um, But then I totally agree with you. Like that's where I look for saddle. Like that's where if I'm working on a horse and I notice any of those three things, like the lack of development or pain in the pocket of the wither, the pain through the middle of the back from bridging or pain in the like more mid to lower back because of the seat, um, the rider's seat placement. Um, but you're totally right. Like if the horse is not developing their top line very well, period, it could be a sign of poor saddle fit because if the saddle doesn't fit and it's constantly putting pain on that bridge system of the horse, not being allowed to pick up its back and move through its entire top line, of course it can't develop properly. So it, yeah, I see it a lot. And you, it's also great if you do have a body worker working with you because 
they see the horse more frequently than your saddle fitter does. And they're looking at the horse with different eyes. And so one thing that I do find for myself, having my own personal horses and looking at them with that perspective is I typically catch things early that allow me to keep moving forward and progressing with my progress and training and keeping my horse comfortable. So I kind of feel like, um, you know, if you have a body worker, really, you know, talk to them and pick their brain. If you're thinking that you're seeing signs under saddle about maybe saddle fit for yourself, um, they're a great person and a sounding board for that because of just the, the eyes that they have on what's happening muscularly. Um, it's horses compensate very well and they try not to show vulnerability. Right. So, um, that, sign that if they're already compensating, you're kind of on to a secondary or a tertiary issue. So when you see those signs, it's good to pay attention to them early on because it's already been manifesting for a period of time. So it's helpful. Like if you even, I tell people that might feel like it's not attainable to have a body worker every month. I sometimes talk to my clients about seasonal appointments. So like a 90 days, right? Like something where you're kind of in a check system um, where they're seeing their top line on a regular basis. In Mm -hmm. addition to, you know, your vet that comes in. um, But oftentimes our vets see them more when there's a problem. Um, Our saddle fitters see them maybe routinely, annually, biannually, unless there's a problem. So it's nice to see that. And the seasonal thing does usually have a role too with some horses gain weight, some horses lose weight, some horses are in training and then have a little bit of time off if they're, you know, finishing out a season or they're moving or they're shipping somewhere. And so having someone even not monthly with eyes on them, um, in addition to you that can work with everyone can be really helpful, um, with actually saddle fit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially the more educated ones, you know, like the ones, and I think too, like opening yourself up to that dialogue, because as a body worker, I've definitely been in the situation where I really feel like the saddle probably does not fit based on the horse's back. And that's a pretty uncomfortable conversation to broach, especially if it's in a barn where the trainer is sponsored, Um, you know, that's a, that's a very hard one. So I think also like if you have a body worker, you want to have one. And I would say, you know, as the owner to definitely initiate that conversation, like say, Hey, like if there's anything you have concerns about, especially with the saddle that you're noticing as, as you work on my horse, like, please just come tell me privately, like, you know, you know, I won't like go and tattle on you, you know, whatever. No, absolutely. That's Um, really helpful. Cause I do, I feel the same way. I'm like, please you know, open the conversation because sometimes it is not a comfortable one to have. You kind of, you want to be forthcoming, but you also don't want to ruffle any feathers. And no, yeah, there's a level of like professional respect for people who have a certain like loyalty. Um, But what I try to remember is that my loyalty is always to the horse. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'm an advocate for the horse. So even when I feel uncomfortable, I'm like, we have to find a way to have this conversation (laughs) because, you know, that is their, their horse's advocate. And I also feel a role in that I do have to, from a professional capacity, advocate for what I am seeing or feeling with a horse and I'm working on it. Like that's, you know, part of my job. And so even those uncomfortable conversations, um, 
have to happen. However, it would be great, you know, just putting it out there that people that are listening, like definitely, (laughs) you know, talk to your body worker. Um, And also you can always ask like your body worker to talk to the saddle fitter. Like, you know, that's a lot of times working professionals are really open. You know, sometimes you're uncomfortable or you're not sure you can convey what they're trying to communicate. And so maybe you want them to talk directly. Um, You'd be surprised how open professionals are, you know, to do that. So I think that those are some things that would be, would also help maybe make saddle fitting a less daunting and also be maybe a little more comfortable for everyone. Right. And not even necessarily attacking the saddle or the saddle fitter, but just saying like, hey, this is what I'm noticing. You know, maybe even though this horse fits a certain way, maybe he needs a little bit more room here or a little bit of a slightly different balance. And honestly, as a saddle fitter, I've seen fit change, particularly with horses that are in really quality training. I mean, Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised they can change within a month. Yeah, I mean, they can be in change in a couple weeks. You know, if they have a huge nutritional change in a good way, and good training or something's going on with them maybe that's not good you can fit something and it has nothing to do with the quality of fit it's just that you as a practitioner observing that maybe something's not fitting now it doesn't mean that it didn't fit when they did it so just because you're saying hey the saddle needs to be checked and it was maybe just checked doesn't mean anything against your fitter so I think that's actually it's really I'm glad that you said that it's really important for Um, for horse owners to really understand too, like just sometimes they change that quickly. Sometimes you make them comfortable and they will change very quickly. And sometimes something else happens like in the field or something and it makes them uncomfortable. And it's hard to sometimes discern whether it's related to what happened with saddle fit or that horses, you know, they sometimes don't do the smartest things and maybe they, you know, hurt themselves or did something that was just minor, but is, is causing them to be a little more uncomfortable. So just things to make note of that help, you know, kind of forge a relationship that's easier to have conversations with. I like that you, I like that you brought that up about how quickly horses can change because I, after my education with you, I mean, even before, uh, before I made the course with you, I always really felt like only having the saddle fit once a year or even every six months, it always felt pretty like reactive, not proactive to me because it, you're totally right in a good program, or if there is a dramatic change, a horse is going to change a lot more quickly than in six months. So I do really agree with you. I think it's good to be looking at the saddle fit like more regularly, but I love that in the course that we did together, you know, South Fit Solutions, I really love that it just teaches horse owners the basics so that they can just be taking a peek, like even like once every couple of weeks. And that way they might be able to intervene with a saddle fitter more quickly if they notice that something pretty quickly is changing on their horse's top line. No, and that's important is being able to be involved. And so enough that you can then be an advocate for your horse and then seek that professional help and support is important. And even if you're not 100% sure, if your horse was happy with the way your fitter fit the saddle and then you are using those steps to evaluate its fit and you notice the fit changes and maybe their behavior changes, then those two pieces can really be a good signal. You don't have to know what the answer is, right. but you definitely know that you need more support 
And it's, you know, now before waiting six months and just kind of <laughs> fighting through the discomfort, you know, and your training being delayed and your progress and frustration with, you know, your horse's frustration and yours can be minimized if you, you know, just kind of stay a little more observant with saddle fit. Absolutely. You know, I personally recommend um, to my owners that they palpate their horses back like once a week and their shoulders to check for saddle fit um, to see if anything's negatively affecting them. In addition to maybe just going and doing those like checks that we discuss in the course. Do you agree with that? Or is there anything else that you would like add to that? Um, I do agree with it for sure. I do think that that you should, if you're not sure, have help in learning how to palpate and what you're feeling for. So, you know, a lot of times we look for reaction Mm -hmm. with the horse, but sometimes improperly palpating a horse can elicit, you know, a not uh, (laughs) Not. accurate reaction. We do go over it. Yeah. Yeah. We go over in the course. For you, (laughs) I'm sure you do. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I would say that, you know, palpation, you know, just make note. We talked about that horse that can be a little extra reactive. Um, I would kind of get a baseline when they're comfortable. And I would also make sure that maybe you palpate more than one time over the horse's back on the horses that are reactive, just because see if the response changes at all as you're doing it. So a lot of times those reactive horses, if they're really uncomfortable, I find that the reaction doesn't change or it gets worse. Mm. Um, If it's a little bit that they're defensive to certain types of touch, I notice that oftentimes if you repeat it three times that you might have a change. And so it's just something to maybe make note of that they might be happier on the second and then the third pass of palpation on the back. And so um, that's just something to make note of if you have some reactive horses. I have some horses that are super reactive that I work on and they're fine after we palpate them once or twice and the saddle Mm -hmm. fits. And I've had people, you know, say, oh, they're super reactive. And I was like, yes, but they do have a history where they are reactive. So I think that's one thing to just make note of. I think it's a great tool. It's just find out what the baseline is for your horse and when they're happy and when they're telling you they're not happy. And so that way you can use that. It's like that's their personal baseline that you're using. I like that. I also, I do think it's worth mentioning, like sometimes even if a horse doesn't react to you palpating, they are still in pain. There are some very stoic horses out there. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just was working on a horse um, a couple weeks ago and he is a like fourth level, like master, like a super, super nice horse. And suddenly he just couldn't do the pirouettes anymore. And so the owner had me come and look at him and I was palpating him and I was like, because she was like, I think it might be me. I don't know if it's him. And I was palping him. And I was like, I I agree with you. I think it might be you because this horse feels awesome. And like, I watched him go. He looked really good. But I was like, you know what? Like, though you have championships, like in a couple of days, why don't I just work on him? And so that you can rule it out. And you have total peace of mind before you go to this championship, yeah. you spend all this money on. So I start working on him and oh my goodness, this horse was so sore. I mean, as I started working on him, he was in so much pain. I could barely even rest my hand on him as I was working on his hind end. But after that horse got worked on, he went on to have like the best pirouettes he ever had. 
So it was, it was pain. Yeah. She was like, she texted me and she was like, cause I was like, how'd your champs test go? And she was like, dude, he felt too good. He like, he was a little bit feral cause he's older. She was like, he was a little bit feral, but the pirouettes have never felt better. (laughs) She was like, he felt so good that he like bucked a little bit in our warm up. And I was like, oh my goodness, which does happen. right? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's just so interesting to me, but it happens. It's not nearly as common as the overly sensitive horses, um, but it does happen, especially in the like draft crosses and the more warm-blooded breeds. No, that's something really important to make note of is that it is not 100%, you know, like my horse is good, my horse isn't good. Yeah. Um, I see that too. I've worked on horses where also it's like, how are they even still doing their job? Yeah, You know, and it's amazing that sometimes when you – you evaluate them and you're like, I can't really find a lot. And then you start working and you're like, wow, this horse is really sore. Um, One time, one thing I do sometimes see, and again, it doesn't always reveal itself. I the same thing with stoic horses, but I do sometimes notice that like tissue quality. And I know that's a little bit deep for, you know, everybody evaluating, but sometimes you can feel it. Sometimes, you know, it just doesn't feel quite so elastic. Like it just feels a little denser and stuck. stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And tight. And so like that dense elasticity on the back, I feel sometimes if you make note of that and your horse is having some issues and they aren't reacting to the palpation, do make note that maybe it feels different. Okay. I think that's one thing, you know, people could just kind of think about is like, gee, it feels like really different. Um, And then they're not responding because some horses are so stoic that they just, they don't even react. I totally agree. Let me, let me tell you another story about like previous Maya things I used to do. Um, You know, so in addition to having that saddle, that was like a medium, quote unquote, a medium wide that fit every horse. Um, you know, a part of the way I justified that to myself, because I knew it wasn't perfect, um, was A, you know, I was a young adult who was poor. You know, I had very little income and I definitely didn't have income to buy a custom saddle for my horse. And B, I was like, you know, yes, my saddle doesn't fit per- fit perfectly, maybe even doesn't really fit at all, but I do all this other stuff for my horse. Like I have good supplements for him. Like I have a really good fitting bridle, you know, like I stretch him, you you know, what, what would you say to that version of Maya that was kind of like giving excuses why not to invest in a properly fitting saddle? So I probably would say this a little bit more tactfully. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can be me. But, I, I, I take but it like bluntly, it's I would tell them and have a conversation, okay, but if the saddle isn't fitting and your horse isn't comfortable, then it's kind of, it's important that the horse have those care, but a little bit, it's a waste, wasting your money and your time and your energy with your horse and all of the training. So you're paying for lessons or you're paying for horse shows or you're doing all of these things. And you are then having this critical piece of equipment that provides you the ability to communicate with your horse well and keep them comfortable, um, as not something that's prioritized. And so, yes, nutrition is important. All these things are important, but, you know, same as body work and stretching, but we can stretch a horse. We can massage a horse. We can do all of these things. They can have vitamin E and all these things helping their muscles. However, if we're making them perpetually sore, asking them to do a job where they actually just can't sometimes because it fits so poorly, then like we're doing all of these things and it's kind of, it's not even a bandaid. It's just, it's kind of wasting 
all of our time. <laughs> it reminds me, have so. you have you seen that meme where there's like a giant crack in a wall and someone puts like a piece of duct tape over it? Yes. That's kind of how like not having a saddle that fits, but like doing some other stuff instead. That's how it feels to me. Like, you know, you can do all this other stuff and do, you know, invest in all these other things. But until your saddle actually fits your horse, you're, you're essentially just like putting lipstick on a pig or you're shining a turd. Sure. (laughs) That's a really good description. But one thing I do want to talk about is, you know, if your saddle isn't fitting ideally, and you're in the process of trying to sort that out. You're trying to sort out, okay, I have a really young horse. They came to me. This seems to be working. My goal is to get them something that really fits. Um, the advice that I like to, to give to people in that position, we've all been there with new horses, young horses, is if the horse response, again, is not negative and you have all of the support, you have your body worker, your vet, your nutrition, you're stretching them, and they're in the current moment, they are not struggling, that also know that you're working on getting something that's optimal, but right now it's also not completely getting in the way of making progress. So I think that there is a very gray line that sometimes we all have to look at and say, I kind of have this, I say, I have people that ask me to check their saddle (laughs) as their body worker. And um, one thing that they, you know, I will say is, is I don't find anything that's unhappy on the horse. And yeah, there are some places that it's not perfect, but I also go, in like the long scheme, if there's a horse that's been in a saddle that I see as an ideal, it, if it's not broken, also don't fix it, right? Really so like that's that, something yeah. that's important to me because we talked about the sneaker concept, right? So saddle fitting is a science, but it's also an art. And for some reason, maybe that saddle doesn't check all the boxes, but that horse is in active work. Its top line looks great. It's not sore. They're not having any issues and it's happy and the response is happy. Then don't mess with it. Don't mess with it with something that on paper is going to be perfect. Or if you have something and you're working to get something that is better because there are some deficiencies in it, just continue to listen to your horse, right? Doesn't mean you can't continue to make progress. So that's also the conversations I would have with that Maya would be to say, (laughs) okay, so is that saddle really, really, really getting in the way? Like, is it a roadblock? Or right now, if we do some tweaking, like, is it good until you can save up some money and do it? And, you know, all these things you're doing for your horse are amazing, but we just want to make sure that this one thing isn't really, you know, making it a waste, essentially, you know, and help and empower the horse owner to get to that point. So there are gray areas. And again, that's what's sometimes helpful working with some working professional fitters is that they do acknowledge the point that if they can help you, they most of them will help you have your saddle work or something work that's in your barn, you know, for the time being until you can work towards getting something that's m- more improved, right, right, for your horse and ideal. So those are the things that I think, you know, it's great. We do all these things for our horse, but it doesn't then allow us to say, like, it's fine that the saddle doesn't fit. But we also have to acknowledge that sometimes getting a saddle that fits does take time. Even just to have one made takes time. To find one takes time. And so finding some middle ground as to a solution that's temporary is is still okay and important. 
And sometimes it also is that you just don't ride your horse as much. And that sometimes is a really difficult conversation to have. I mean, I've been in that situation during COVID. I have a young thoroughbred and I had something that fit her pretty well and she was going to get something custom. She came really underweight. And um, we, when she was, you know, in regular work and I had an idea and the saddle she had was, was working, but I knew she needed something more custom. We went about and we ordered one. Well, COVID delayed some things. And Uh, so what happened was, you know, I ended up doing more work in hand and we did other training things because ultimately it was backwards to just try to put something on her that didn't fit. Like what training was I accomplishing? Right. Right. So we did some lighter work with something that was just ended up not working for her anymore. We made it okay for some hacking. And then we did some other training. Maybe we long line, maybe we did other things, but that's also something that I think in this process, when you're going in a transition of trying to find a saddle that fits is kind of go outside the box, think about, okay, do I really have to ride every day? Does that really make it productive if the saddle doesn't fit? Like maybe, you know, maybe we modify our training for a little bit. So I like that. Yeah. And I, I'd like to, you know, I'd, I'd also like to bring up because you kind of touched on this, you know, what would you say to 19 or 20 year old Maya who was broke as a joke and did like really want something that was going to fit my horse, but also needed something that was going to fit me decently because I wasn't the best rider at the time. So I needed a little bit more support because, you know, the conversation that like I would have had with myself at the time, like if I was 19 year old Maya's trainer is, you know, Hey, when you go to buy a horse, you need to build in to your budget, you know, however much money for a custom saddle. Like that's to me, like that's like the ideal, but you know, alternatively saying to yourself, like maybe do less shows and like maybe even less lessons until you can afford a saddle that fits properly. Um, even if that's only like a $2,000 older saddle, you know, you don't have to get a brand new custom saddle every time. Like what would be some like affordable, um, options for a younger person or anyone on a budget? I think that, you know, are you asking like brands or no, no. I no. mean, just, like just, just like, general. you know, for example, like an older, well-maintained wool flock saddle. Yeah. So that's exactly, you which read I, my mind. I, I'm just reiterating what you've so, taught me so. yeah, <laughs> that you read my mind. So, um, if wool saddles are taken care of, they are almost, you know, infinite in their life. You know, I don't love to say that, but yeah. I have saddles myself that, I've owned new or bought used and they've been maintained and they are 30 years old and they work great and they look newer than some saddles that are even 10 years old. And so they're out there and some of those older saddles, all they need is maybe to have a fitter reflock them, meaning just not just an adjustment for your horse, but just change the wool out in the saddle, which is definitely something that can be done as long as the panels aren't cracked they can be changed out. And there are a lot of saddles out there that probably maybe with not ideal, but with a little bit of maybe a pad and a fitter helping you and, you know, a reflocking could easily, you know, depending on your horse, meet that budget. Um, they, they are definitely out there. And again, working with different fitters, sometimes 
a conversation too to have with them is, are there any older models that your mm. company used to have that you think might be work for my horse? Because usually, even though the they don't completely depreciate in value, when they kind of have a new line come out, you often see ones that aren't manufactured anymore go down in price some. And, and we're not talking like five years, we're talking like 10, 15, 20 years. And those saddles are still floating around and people are trying to scoop them up because they work for certain types of horses. So, um, so one of my favorite saddles I have is, you know, almost 27 years old yeah, <laughs> and you, you, you I love int- sitting in, <laughs> sitting you, in it. Um, you so, introduced me to that saddle and I was like, oh, it's older than me. Yeah, <laughs> you yes. just went, don't say that. <laughs> I know, that, that made me feel old, but it's okay. <laughs> but it's true. And I think that that's something that we don't realize, you know, in, we always go to try to find something that might be a little less, um, it's not in bad quality. We try to buy something new that's maybe cheaper. And in reality, if we looked at something that was used that was older in this situation, you actually might find something great because ultimately wool doesn't change the way it works on a horse's back, right? Yeah. So if the saddle structure isn't t- is good and strong and it's sound and it's fitting your horse pretty well, then, you know, the wool is going to move with the horse, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, older saddles that were foam, like you can't, you can't really restuff foam and foam is more meant for like static movement, right? Like we meant to sit on foam, wool, the way it behaves naturally moves with the horse really well. It also allows us for it to be adjustable for them. And it does like definitely withstand the test of time and wear. So if you're looking at used saddles, look for wool um, and you'll probably find ones that you could definitely, you know, kind of bring back to life yeah. pretty easily. And affordably. I really like that. So, you know, basically if I was on a budget looking for a saddle, potentially looking at an older wool flock saddle and then working with a professional saddle fitter to re-flock it because that flocking can get so compacted and moved around, um, it's important to have someone re-flock it and look at it on their horse. But that might be a good route to go to get a saddle that actually fits your horse, but a little bit more affordable. Yeah. And one thing to make note of is not all saddle fitters are necessarily saddlers. So Mm, something that, you know, flocking saddles in the field, we're adjust, that role is adjusting the saddle to the horse in the field and maintaining the the wool. And when we talk about a full reflock, we're like popping the stitching on the saddle and dropping the panel and redoing it also doesn't have to be done at the farm. It could be done, you know, in someone's home. You could could send it in somewhere. So you might end up finding that you're working with your fitter and don't be kind of surprised or think that they're not skilled if they say you should send this to so-and-so to have that done. And then when it comes back, then usually it's almost like you're getting a brand new saddle. So the wool is brand new. So usually you put about 30 hours in the saddle if it's fitting the horse well, unless they need some assistance right away. And then your fitter that you're working with, you know, at your farm kind of on site to, to customize that to your horse will come out and adjust that wool because it sometimes packs out and it needs right right away. And then it needs a little, little help early on to kind of get to that stability again, right? It's new. So it's going to pack out quickly. And then usually after that, then you just go to like regular maintenance. And like what we talked about is sometimes if horses are young or in training that changes and maintenance is a little more frequent, but that's a little bit what, you know, having an old saddle that you're making a new saddle again looks like. So it might be more than just one professional you're working with. 
That makes a lot of sense. And I also know that some saddle saddlers, like if, even if they're the ones coming out and looking at the saddle for you and they're going to change it, I know some of them prefer to take the saddle home with them to do all of, you know, whatever needs to happen. Basically it like is, that's what, that's what they prefer to do. They have an at home workshop or something. Yeah. Some of the maintenance of it's not just a minor adjustment or balancing for your horse at the farm, they'll want to take it home to do repairs and different things like that. Absolutely. So, you know, as we're, as we're leaning, as we're going towards the end of the podcast, I was wondering if you had any like fun transformation stories to share. Like, you know, was there ever a time when there was a saddle that was really holding back a horse and rider and you were able to come in and, uh, you know, fix it? Or is there a time when like someone has called you out because they noticed the sale didn't fit and it was able to be addressed back when you were a sale fitter? You're not one anymore. <laughs> um, yes, I've, I have so many stories um, that it would be hard to pick one. However, um, I can pick, I can pick two probably. Um, one really kind of talks about the art of fit versus mm, okay. the, um, the science of fit. And so I had this, uh, upper level dressage horse and they, we fit them to the T by the book in a saddle and it looked amazing. It felt amazing. And the horse was, was newer to, to them. And so they obviously were getting a saddle that fit. They didn't have something that was working great. And we went out and the horse was, was like, okay but was really struggling with some of the collected movements. And we were, I was kind of like puzzled. And so then through the process, we had like half tree sizes. So we kind of, we were playing with the half tree sizes and long story short, um, the horse was happier in a tree size that was slightly narrower Mm -hmm. than what I would have said by science fit the horse. Now there weren't any, like tight spots or any hot spots, but you know, when you look at the balance of everything, it was, it's very minute, but the other one would have been like the perfect fit and the horse didn't like the perfect fit. The horse response liked, I mean, it went from being able to do pirouettes and passage to like doing them mediocre. So it was amazing to see that. And we switched them back and forth like a bunch of times to make sure that it was in fact the saddle. And it was, and we don't really know. And this is just assumption, but prior to her purchasing the horse, um, I believe the horse was ridden in a saddle that was too wide. And so we do wonder if that the horse just trended towards wanting something that the way it felt is what was important to them. Interesting. And That's so, super interesting. Yeah, so, so he we're almost, not sure, but... He almost had like a past trauma and he wanted yeah. to swing the other direction. And so I just think, again, horse response is really important. That was one thing that really kind of got me thinking. Um, I've also f- had horses have transformational changes where the obviously getting the saddle that fits is important, but then actually like the pad mattered. So like I had a horse that absolutely loved to go in sheepskin. (laughs) And so that does play a role because that's a little bit thicker than like your ideal classic fit with a square pad that it fits Mm. thinly. So we did actually have to consider like when we were fitting this horse, we had to consider saying like this horse is, I like to be more what we call pad dependent or they prefer something like that. And that the tree had to be accounted for using sheepskin. 
So, and if you put them in a square pad without it, with this tree that fit, they were okay. But the minute that you put the sheepskin on, they were like stretching through their back and they were going super long and low and lovely. And so I just think, again, horse response, it's super rewarding to see horses have that transformational change. Um, It's also super rewarding in body work to see that too and hear from your clients. But um, again, horse response, listen to your horse. Um, Those are definitely transformations that can happen just all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's really special to be able to help a horse in such a big way. That's really cool. Yes. Um, So I always wrap up the podcast with one last question, um, which is, what is one thing that you don't buck with when it comes to sell fit? Well, that's a, it's a big one. Um, if the horse doesn't like it, it just shouldn't be on their back. Awesome. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. Again, End even if story. the science of like it fits, if they don't like it, don't put it on their back. Obviously that's perfect. dive deeper and make sure there's not a deeper issue, but you know, if, if it's fit, if you think it fits, but they don't like it, move on. I love that. Um, well, Alyssa, it's been such a wonderful, it's been such a treat to have you on the podcast and just to learn from you so much in general um, when making the Salfit Solutions course with you. Um, well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I've had so much fun getting to know you. Um, is your book open? Do you want to give people a way to contact you if they want to work with you for body work, not saddle fitting? Sure. Awesome. Um, the best thing that you can reach me really actually is either um, you can message me on Facebook. You okay. can either find me at um, ALP Equine or you can find me at Alyssa Pitt, which is A-L-I-S-A and then P-I-T-T. And you can just shoot me through Messenger or you can send me an email at AlyssaPitt at gmail.com. And on my Facebook page uh, is also my cell phone. So text message is fantastic for me. (laughs) (laughs) Being busy, I'm sure you probably find the same thing. Um, Text is best um, for me, (laughs) for sure, Uh, which all my information there is is on Facebook. So That's perfect. And do you mostly just service the Chester County, Pennsylvania area, or do you travel? Um, I do service uh, mostly the Chester County, Pennsylvania area. Um, I could go to State College as well as some areas of Maryland. And I do find myself in Wellington in the winter. Um, <laughs> I find myself in Wellington Which is super nice. <laughs> A little break of warm weather. Um, so I do, I do get down to Florida as well. That's awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on. Everyone, make sure to check out Saddle Fit Solutions, my new online course in which I team up with two amazing saddle fitters, one of which is Alyssa, the other which is Sid Saleh, who we've had on the podcast. Um, And we go over basic ways for you to check your saddle fit at home, as well as how to massage your horse yourself and check to make sure that they aren't in pain from your saddle. This is a really, really awesome course I'm super excited about. Um, it'll be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to No Bucks Given. For more graphics, video explanations, and behind the scenes bites, give us a follow at No Bucks Given Podcast on Instagram. To watch the video recording of this episode, subscribe to our channel at Freely Forward Bodywork on YouTube. This episode was produced by myself and my wonderful co-editor, Allie Watson-Bain.
Special thanks to our editor and sound mixer, David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. My mission at Freely Forward Bodywork is to make equine massage accessible to any horse, no matter where you and your horse are in the world. If you're interested in learning more about my online catalog of courses designed to help you bond with your horse through the art of equine massage therapy, please check out the link in the show notes for more information. I'd love to teach you.